0: Morning. Welcome back to our series called "A Better Way." We're almost done with it. We're gonna finish up this series next Sunday. We're gonna be talking about prayer next week. Uh, I am gonna ask this of you: uh, Would you pray for me this week? I'll be traveling. I'm leaving tomorrow morning, flying out to Los Angeles. I've got some board meetings I gotta do this week out in California, and uh, yeah. I'm more nervous about going to Los Angeles than I am about my trip to Turkey next month, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, It's kind of nuts out there. But anyway, if you just pray uh, that things go well for the meetings and then also that I get home, I'm supposed to come home Friday evening. Uh, I have a contingency plan, a plan B to record it out there if I get stuck or whatever. We have a plan B, but it's obviously this is better. So I appreciate your prayers as we wrap up this series called A Better Way. Uh, today, I wanted to start with a story that I think is fun. Uh, I did get permission from my wife before I am going to tell this to you, but about a month ago, my wife was in a car accident, obviously she's okay, but uh, she, uh, she was pulling into a parking lot, and as she pulled into the parking lot, this light pole slid right out in front of her which you wouldn't think would happen, right? I mean, that, that light pole has been there for years. Uh, you wouldn't think that it would just jump out in front of a moving car like that. Obviously, that's not what happened. She, she, was, she was in a hurry, and when she pulled into the parking lot, uh, something distracted her, and she, she plowed right into this, this light pole, and so it's still getting fixed or whatever. And uh, we, we all know that distracted driving is not a good thing distracted driving is what happens when we take our attention our focus off the road and maybe our attention goes somewhere else like uh, our coffee cup that we're grabbing or the radio that we're messing with or uh, maybe you're eating something you're messing with the kids in the back seat remember that Uh, we we do that every once in a while some people text while they're driving. How often do you drive around and you see people? This is what they look like. They're not looking at the road. They're looking at their phones. And um, people video chat. Can you? Have you done this? Don't admit it, please. Don't admit you've video chatted uh, while you're driving. Uh, how about this one? Eating, uh, pu- putting on makeup. I've seen people do that. Uh, putting on makeup while they're while they're driving. Now, according according to the National. Highway Transportation and Safety Administration. Sounds really fancy, but they're the people that track this kind of stuff. And according to them, 920,000 accidents a year are because of distracted driving. And of those, 3,000 of them result in death. So it is a big deal. Distracted driving is not a good thing. You're like, well, thanks for the PSA, Pastor Mark. What's that have to do with the Bible? Well, we know we we should be focused on the road when we are driving. We know that distracted driving is not a good thing. Last week, we talked about how we need to be focused on whatever's in front of us and whoever we are with. Uh, If if we want to be able to avoid distracted living, we've got to be present where we are. Our mind has to be where our feet are. Because if it's not, if we, if we have this distracted living, we're going to miss opportunities. We're going to miss blessings in our lives. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the fact that as followers of Jesus, uh, we should be, and I think you know this if you've been a follower of Jesus any length of time, you know that we should be focused on uh, our relationship with Jesus and His mission. We have this banner on, on the wall, not just to take up space, but this is who we want to be. This is our mission. We want to be a church that uh, helps people meet Jesus, that we can teach people how to follow Jesus, teach people how to share Jesus, ultimately living a Jesus-centered life. That's what we're about as a church, and that's our mission as followers of Jesus Christ. And you wonder, where did that come from? We just uh, picked that out of book somewhere or come up with that on our own and stuck it up on the wall? no. We got that from from Jesus, Matthew 28. Now, I'm just going to read it to you, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples. This is an intentional effort that we're to be a part of. Go make disciples. That's an activity. That's an action. It's it's not passive Christianity that Jesus wants you and I to live. It's 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 an act of faith. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Uh, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. So yeah, we need to learn uh, what Jesus taught us, and how to live, and and the things that He expects of us, and His standards for ourselves, but we're also supposed to be teaching others of these things that Jesus taught us. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you're like, well, that's nice. Isn't that just for preachers and missionaries and really outgoing Christians? And the answer is no. It's for all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is is our mission. Learning, yes, learning how to follow Jesus in our everyday lives, but also to help others do the same, to help others follow the mission of, of Jesus. That's what our lives are supposed to be focused on as Christians. But if we're being honest with each other, sometimes sometimes we get distracted from our mission. Sometimes we get distracted from following Jesus. And we find ourselves experiencing what I'm going to call this morning a distracted faith. A distracted faith. And our our faith could be distracted in any any number of uh, ways or reasons. Maybe our victory over sin... Our victory over temptation is way more inconsistent than it should be, and maybe we get caught up in something that we know is wrong, but we get caught up in it, and it distracts our faith. Maybe our hearts uh, drift from the Lord, we drift into the other lane, so to speak, and we know that we feel that distance. He didn't move, we moved, we drifted, but we feel that, and, and that can be distracting to our faith. Maybe we even notice this, uh, this apathetic or, or self-focused uh, way of living. Instead of being Jesus-centered, instead of being other-centered, we turn inward. And when we do that, our faith gets distracted. Our priorities are not where they should be. And just like we all know that distracted driving is not a good thing, that we shouldn't be chowing down on a bag of French fries, you know, with one hand and you know, putting makeup on with the other hand and driving with our knee with, you know, and and then all, all the while we've got the phone and we're, te- you know, we're doing a video chat review of Pastor Mark's sermon while we're doing all this others. We know we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing those things. Jesus followers, I think, also know that, you know, distracted faith is not good. It's not good for us. It's not good for the mission that Jesus gave us. We We know that the We shouldn't let the pleasures of life or the material things of this world, or even good things in life. You know, sports is good, work's good, uh, family time is good. There's a lot of good things, but sometimes those things can distract us from our faith, distract us from our relationship with Jesus and, and His mission. How about this one? Leisure, politics, entertainment, there's all kinds of things that... Uh, if we're not careful, can distract us from our relationship with Christ and His mission. Now, as I say that, there's probably not too many Christians in the room or maybe Christians at home watching. There's probably not too many believers that, you know, their their jaws just dropped and like, what? This is brand new information. Why didn't no one ever told me that uh, as a follower of Jesus, I need to focus on Him? There's probably not too many people that this is shocking new information to as a follower of Christ. But the truth is, sometimes our spiritual lives drift into the wrong lane. Sometimes our spiritual lives run into a light pole that we could have easily avoided had we just stayed focused on Christ and His mission. And what I know about those moments in in, in real life and in spiritual life in real life I don't know if you've ever done that. Like if, uh, if, you, if you drift into the other lane, nowadays a lot of cars will beep and buzz at you or whatever. But if you ever drifted into the other lane or onto the rumble strips and you get the headlights coming at you or the, or the car horn coming at you or the rumble things go off, those things rattle you, right? They startle you. And certainly when you run into a, a light pole, it rattles you. Uh, those, are the, those are the moments in driving. Like, oh, I better pay attention. I better Focus. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. There's times when we drift into the other lane where we shouldn't be, or we, we slam into something, maybe it's sin or something happens, something falls apart relationally for us. And those moments in life rattle us and we're like, oh, I need to do a better job staying focused on my relationship with Christ. I, I need to be more focused on, uh, on my, spiritual, my spiritual life. And if you've ever experienced that, which I imagine most of us have had moments like that, you maybe have said to yourself, there's got to be a better way than this. There must be a better way to live a life of faith than than this inconsistent, just I I run to God when I need something and I kind of ignore him when I don't, this unfocused, distracted version of faith that I've been living. There's got to be a better way than this. Here's the good news. There is. There's absolutely a better way. And this series, we've been calling it The Way of Jesus, The Way of Jesus, and we find that in Matthew chapter 11. Would you go there with me? This has been our theme passage throughout, throughout this series, Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Jesus says this in verse 28, come to me, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest This idea of peace, this idea of satisfaction and contentment at the heart level. He says, take my yoke upon you, teach or let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Light. Jesus is inviting us to connect our lives to Him. This idea of the yoke, again, is that farming illustration, two animals that are connected together. They're working together, they're walking together in the same direction at the same pace. And Jesus is inviting us as we connect our lives to Him, not just to walk through life with Him and enjoy life with Him, but He's also. He's inviting us to join Him in His mission. Stick with this this image that Jesus paints with the two animals. They're joined together and they're pulling a plow through a field or they are pulling a cart of goods up a steep hill. As those two animals work together, they're accomplishing something together. That is the the image that we have in our minds as we think about these two animals that are connected, and we're connected to Jesus. We're not only walking through life with Him, we are working with Him to accomplish His mission. I'm just going to ask you at the beginning here, right off the bat, is that what your daily life looks like? You and Jesus on mission every day together, whether you are at work, or you're at school, or you're at practice, or you're at home, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever is in front of you, you and Jesus, helping people meet Him, helping people learn how to follow Him, teaching people how to share Him with others, and just living this Jesus-centered life. And if the answer to that question is, "Eh, not every day, the, the, the next question is, what's distracting you? What's distracting you? And this is something I think we need to take seriously. If I said, you know, we know distracted driving is is really dangerous. You don't want to do that. Uh, But distracting walking isn't that big of a deal, right? You might think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Distracting walking is not as serious as distracted driving, to which I would say that's not true. Uh, One time I was a teenager, and we were at Hoover Dam, and as a family, on a family vacation, and we were headed to... The restroom or something, and uh, they had like this porch that came out, and uh, I ran right into a metal pole. I mean, right into it because I was distracted by a pretty girl. <laughs> Boom! I mean, I hit that thing, and uh, blood. I mean, I hit it hard enough that I bled. I think I gave myself a slight concussion. I was full on into this bang. Distracted uh, walking, you might not think is that big of a deal, but I'm here to say you should take it seriously. The same thing is true with distracted faith. Maybe to you that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, and I'm here to say the Bible, I think, would teach us that it is something we need to take very seriously. Because if we have this distracted faith over time, it'll cause our hearts to drift far from God and uh, rather than waiting for something like slamming into uh, sin that, that entangles us, uh, rather than waiting for that to happen and letting something like that rattle us, it's just better to live a focused faith. We know distractive faith is not how we should live, but you might be wondering, well, how do I how do I fix that? If I find myself, I'm drifting, I'm slamming into things I shouldn't slam into, how do I fix that? How do we stay focused in our relationship with Jesus and his mission and avoid drifting into the wrong lane, avoid slamming into things that we shouldn't slam into that causes damage in our relationships, that causes damage in our testimony, and it could have been avoided. I think we're gonna find some really good advice in Hebrews chapter 12. Would you join me? In Hebrews chapter 12. Now I'm gonna focus on verses one and two, but what I'd like you to do is jump down to verse 2 right off the bat we'll come back and then we'll hit verse 1 but verse 2 starts uh, by telling us that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus we need to stay focused on Jesus that's the goal right that's what we want as followers of Christ isn't that what we we want we want to stay focused on Jesus so that we don't get distracted But what I love about these two verses, what I love about the or three verses actually, this passage, uh, there's some very practical, I think, very helpful insights into how we actually do that. I mean, it's one thing to say, "Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus." Okay, what does that mean? You know, I quit my job and just stare at the wall and think about Jesus all day. What? How do I do that? How do I do that? So here we go. If you're going to take some notes this morning, uh, we're going to start in verse one of chapter 12. Uh, and before I read verse 1 to you, I just need you to know that chapter 11 of Hebrews is an entire chapter about people who lived a focused faith. They did hard things through focused faith in God. And so when we jump to verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, so it's connecting everything we would have just read in chapter 11, this long list of people who are examples for us of what a focused faith looks like. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now let me pause and just make this uh, as clear as I can. Uh, That verse is not talking about like this Eastern philosophy of our ancestors, you know, that we pray to our ancestors uh, and that they help us in times of trouble. That's not what this is describing at all. The Bible doesn't teach that. What he's describing here, what the author of Hebrews is, is describing, is we've been given this example. We can look to the past, and we can see people who have done it. There's lots of examples throughout Scripture of people who have, who have done hard things because they had a focused faith in God to accomplish the mission that God had given to them. The Bible is full of those examples. And he's saying, therefore, look at this uh, this long list of examples. You can do it too. You can do it too. It can be done. Yeah, it's hard, but obviously it's not impossible. Look at all these people who did it. One of the first things we can do to avoid a distracted faith is to learn from those who have lived a focused faith. We can learn from them. Now, you don't have to shout a name out loud, but you might want to write it down, at least get it in your mind. But who comes to mind? Who do you know right now in your world, in your life, that is living a life of focused faith? Who in your life, in your sphere, uh, uh, your, little, your little world, who do you know that you admire their faith? You look at this person, not perfect, no one's perfect, but you look at them and like, man, they, they love Jesus. It's clear that they love Jesus. They want to live a Jesus-centered life, and 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 uh, if 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 I could pattern my life of faith after someone, and they'd be a good pattern to, to to chase after. Is there someone in your life like that that you that popped into your mind? If so, how could you spend more time with that person? What would it take to spend more time? with them. How about this? If you don't know someone like that, where where would you get to meet people like that? Now to be clear, I am not promoting stalking. I am I am not promoting being weird and you know chasing people around in weird ways. That's not what I'm about to tell you. That's not a good spiritual growth strategy. You know what is a good spiritual growth strategy? We call them grace groups. But small groups are a really good spiritual growth strategy. Because in a smaller group, you get to spend time with people. You, you get to learn from people uh, who, are, who are in the same journey of wanting to live a Jesus-centered life. And you get to share with one another, learn from one another, help each other grow, uh, support one another. Whenever, uh, whenever you start to drift, there's accountability there. Whenever you slam into some, uh, something that you shouldn't have slammed into, you've got someone to who can uh, help bring you back, and small groups are super important, I believe, in the spiritual growth of, uh, of every believer, and so if you're not part of a small group, if you're not part of one of our grace groups, I just really want to challenge you uh, to, to, to be involved in them. Uh, Bill, where's Bill? At? Bill's got one on Sunday morning, like right after this. Uh, again, real quick, Bill, this is Bill. Talk to Bill. You can go hang out with Bill right after this where you meet in the activity center, right? So there's there's one opportunity. Uh, Sunday nights, uh, as long as the snow's not flying and ice or whatever, Sunday nights, we've got uh, four different groups that meet on Sunday night. No, five, actually. We have five groups that meet Uh, on Sunday night. There's uh, there's a ladies' group that meets uh, Wednesday evening. Um, There's uh, another ladies' group that meets, I think, Tuesday morning. Uh, so we have these different t- opportunities. Uh, there's going to be some men's things that are going to be developing here this winter. Uh, but there's opportunities for you to be in the room with other believers and uh, to, to challenge one another, to encourage one another. Uh, that's a super good, uh, I think, well worth your time spiritual growth strategy. And I also want to challenge those of you who are in the room or who are at home that would consider yourself to be more spiritual, spiritually mature. Now, I don't know how I would evaluate, maybe you would evaluate that differently than I would, but if you would consider yourself to be more spiritually mature, uh, rather than just going through life and, and, and saying, yes, I'm super mature in my faith because I do all the right things. I don't smoke, chew, and uh, drink, and go with girls to do whatever. I don't like, like you're, you're doing the right things in life, uh, but there's more to that. I, I would challenge you to be involved, uh, be connected to the full mission of Jesus. Yes, living a righteous life, but also helping other people uh, and, and uh, helping them to learn how to live a Jesus-centered life as well. So be a, also be a part of those, those small groups. Be in the room. Be that person who can help someone else. We can avoid distracted faith by learning from those who live a focused faith. We continue on. The next thing I think we can do to avoid a distracted faith, go back to verse one. He says, uh, you've been surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to life of faith. Uh, So you have some examples. Here's the second thing. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. He says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. So let me break that down into three different parts. The next thing we can do to avoid a distracted faith is to throw off everything that hinders us, these weights that slow us down. I've run a few races. I'm not, I'm not a marathon runner. I've run short races. I've run some obstacle course races, uh, so I wouldn't put myself in like that Iron Man type of uh, condition. All I'm saying is uh, every race I've ever run, I've never tried to do it with extra weight. Now, I know people do that when they train. Uh, they'll have these vests that they'll put on, and their weighted plates that go in the vest, and they train that way. But they train that way so that on race day, when they strip that weight off, they feel a lot faster. I've never tried to run any of those races carrying extra weight around. So you think about running through life, uh, this race that God has marked out for us, uh, he says, don't don't add extra weight. Get rid of these unnecessary weight, the things that would hinder us. So what would that be? What would what would hinder us from a focused faith, the things that weigh us down in this race that, that God has marked out for us and make it harder than it needs to be. Maybe, maybe it's the pressure and the stress of life that's doing that to you. Uh, maybe it's uh, the shame of past mistakes that you haven't forgiven yourself. Uh, you, maybe you haven't even truly trusted in the forgiveness of Jesus. Like, there's no way that God's going to forgive me for that. And so you just carry it around and it weighs you down. Maybe it's it's active sin in your life in in the sense of you're carrying around anger and bitterness and resentment towards those who have wronged you. That's a heavy weight. That's a heavy burden to be carrying through life. Maybe it's unrealistic expectations of perfection for yourself or even for other people. We're not perfect and and nobody is. And so when you walk through life with this unrealistic expectation that you have to somehow be perfect or that everyone around you has to live up to your standards, man, that weighs you down in life and just makes life harder than it has to be. It could be an unhealthy desire to be liked, an unhealthy desire to be accepted. Like you're willing to do anything to be liked and accepted. And when you don't get it, the, in, the, in the form or the way that you want or to the level at which you want, man, it just crushes your world. That's so that's, That stuff hinders us for running through life with, with uh, freedom. And Could it be the fear of failure? Could it be this fear of rejection? Whatever it is that could weigh you down or hinder you, the writer of Hebrews says you need to lay it aside. You need to throw it off, these weights that hinder us. Well, how do we do that? Well, I think we go back to what we talked about in chapter 11, when Jesus says, you're carrying around heavy burdens. You're weary because you're carrying around these heavy burdens. Uh, He says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. When we come to Jesus and we ask him to help us get rid of these burdens that we're carrying, to lay them aside, these unnecessary weights. And we do that when we connect our lives to Jesus. Remember, he promised that His burden is light. He promised to give us rest. If we want to live a focused faith, if we want to run um, successfully the race that God has marked out for us, it's not just the things that hinder us that we need to throw off. He also says here, throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. People who are focused on running a good race, they don't just uh, make sure they don't have extra weight on themselves. They also, I've never seen anyone do this, they don't tie their legs together at the knees or around the ankles. You're not going to get very far if you're hopping a race. In fact, you're probably going to wind up falling and hurting yourself. But that's what sin does. Sin entangles our lives. It's like like a spider web that traps an insect. Sin is something that looks good at the time, but then it traps us, it controls us. Some of the more common sins that you might think of that entangle people's lives, pornography, uh, the abuse of alcohol and drugs, someone who's a workaholic, uh, greed, even gossip, you know, these are, these are common things that you might think of, but really any, any unconfessed or unchecked sin in our lives, it drains us of life, it drains us of joy, it distracts us from our faith, it pulls us away from Jesus and His mission. Well, how do we get out of that? I think, uh, you know, a fly, if, if, if it could get out of the spider web itself, wouldn't it do it? How do we get out of uh, break free and untangle ourselves from sin? First John one nine, write it down first John one nine. If you find yourself entangled in sin, the solution, there's one solution. It's repentance. It's asking repentance. It says, um, if we confess our sin, it's first John one nine. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sin. And to cleanse us from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness. When we sin, repentance is the solution to that. To be untangled from it, repentance is uh, stop what you're doing, trust Jesus to forgive you of that sin and turn away from it, and trusting Him to help you change at the heart level, at the behavior level, at the at the thinking level through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's. The fly would get out of the web if it could on its own, but it can't. We have to think in terms of uh, when we're entangled in sin, we need, we need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us break free. And even before we get into the web, that would be better, right? It'd be better to not even be in the entanglement of the web. Uh, God's also promised us in His Word that uh, if, we, if we trust Him, He'll provide a way out. He'll provide the strength that we need to stand up and say no to temptation. We've got to rely on Him. We've got to trust Him to help us uh, with with our sin issues in life. If we want to avoid a distracted faith, learn from those who live a focused faith, throw off things that hinder us, uh, things that entangle us from running. And it also says here to run with perseverance, to run with endurance, the race that God has marked out for us. And I would put it this way, don't quit. Don't stop running. Don't give up. When I first started learning how to run long distances, the advice that I got from someone who's really good, I'm, I'm not that good at it, uh, but I got some advice from someone who is, someone that's been doing it a long time. And this is the advice that, that he gave me. He says, don't walk. Don't walk. And his point was this. If you, if, you, if you walk, even if you have to slow down to a slow jog, don't walk. Because if, if you start to walk, you'll always be a walker. You'll quit. And uh, so I've tried different methods. I've, I've done the walk for so many minutes and then jog for so many minutes and kind of work your way up uh, where you shorten the length of time that you walk and lengthen the time that you run. I've done those types of things, but I think he was right. I think he was absolutely right. At some point in your training, you have to be able to push past the discomfort of running and just keep running to not give up, to not walk. The temptation is going to be there, and you've got to push past it at some point, not quit. And perseverance in running is not easy. You've got to be disciplined. To train on days when you don't feel like it, you've got to be willing to do hard things, and that requires sacrifice, right? Running and perseverance, uh, it's hard. And perseverance in life is the same way, because life's hard. It requires discipline. It requires sacrifice to live a Jesus-centered life, to live a life that is a focused faith. So on the days when you're feeling like giving up, on those days when you feel like quitting, like, man, this just isn't worth it, on those days, you need to go back to this passage and read verses 2 and 3. Ready? Let's read it together. We do this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Him, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. And we keep our eyes fixed on Him. And then it says this, Consider Jesus. We we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Him. Consider Him because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Consider Jesus. Think about, Intentionally think about him and his sacrifice on the cross, that he was willing to endure the pain of the cross, the opposition from sinful men, that he endured that. So when you think about how do I endure, how, how do I persevere, how, how do I avoid a distracted faith and, and stay focused on the mission that Jesus gave us. We do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And when I was studying this and I'm thinking, okay, that sounds super spiritual. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. You're having a bad day? Oh, no problem. Just you know, keep your eyes on Jesus. You'll be fine. And, and for some, that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like a platitude. And it's not. You might be wondering, well, how, do, how do I focus my eyes on someone I can't see? The wording there is the idea of of intentionally remembering, intentionally thinking about, giving thought to what Jesus did for us. How he endured the beatings. He endured the mocking. He endured the spitting. He endured the crown of thorns. He endured the, the nails in his hands and in his feet. He endured the suffocation, the slow suffocation from hanging on a cross. How did Jesus endure and persevere through all of this? What it tells us here is he set his focus on the joy on the other side of it. Jesus stayed focused on his mission to rescue dead soul sinners like you and me from eternity in hell. Jesus stayed focused on the joy that would result from a personal relationship with those who would trust in him for forgiveness of sin, for eternal life, for a transformed life. Jesus stayed focused on what mattered enough to keep him going, and what mattered enough to him was you and me. What are your eyes fixed on? What is your focus on a day-to-day basis? Does, Does Jesus matter enough to you to stay focused on your relationship with him, to stay focused on his mission? Or would you say, I don't know if I could say that every day, sometimes my faith gets distracted. And we know distracted faith is not how we should live, but staying focused on a relationship with Jesus and his mission, listen, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by magic. We have to choose what we're going to focus on every day. And we could all high-five each other on the way out the door today. We're going to be focused on Jesus today. And you probably absolutely would mean that. But you're going to have to get up tomorrow without this group of people around you to cheer you on and, ha- and slap you high-five. You're going to have to get up tomorrow and make that same choice. I gotta Stay focused on Jesus today. And just in a practical way, uh, sense. What does it look like to be to have a Jesus-centered marriage, to stay focused on Christ in the way that you do your marriage? You have to choose that. You have to choose to be a Jesus-centered parent. There's lots of ways to parent. You get to choose every day whether or not you're going to be a Jesus-centered parent, that you're going to disciple your kids, that you're going to be a, a good example for your kids, for your grandkids. What does it look like to be a Jesus-centered employee? You get to choose that every day when you go to work. How am I going to represent Jesus Christ today? How, uh, what opportunities is Jesus going to put in my path today uh, to declare my faith and, and, and to encourage someone who's hurting? What's it going to look like for you to be a Jesus-centered student, a Jesus-centered athlete? You've got to make that choice every time you go to school, every time you show up for practice. What's that going to look like in the way that you, uh, the way that you talk, in, in, in the way that you treat others, in, in the way that, that you work at your, uh, at your schoolwork? How about this? What's, what's it going to look like to be a Jesus-centered friend, to be focused on what it looks like to be a Jesus-centered friend that cares about people, that, that loves others, that shows up when there's a need? You get to choose that every, every day. We don't don't have to wait until we drift into the wrong lane and get honked at. We don't have to to wait until we slam into a light pole that we could have avoided. We can stay focused on Jesus. We can stay focused on His mission, but you've got to choose to do that every day. We do that, I think, most effectively when we choose to get up every day and connect our lives to Jesus, first thing in the morning. I appreciate what you said, Ryan, is, you know, get up and start the day in prayer. Start the day connecting our lives to Jesus, first thing, and then choosing to walk with him, choosing to work with him to accomplish his mission all day. Living this, this grateful heart, living out a grateful heart for all that Jesus did for us all day, just you and Jesus on mission all day. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever's in front of you, Helping people meet Jesus, learning, yes, learning yourself how to follow him, but teaching others how to follow him, teaching others how to share Jesus with them. A focused faith, a focused faith on Jesus and his mission. It's just, it's a better way to live. It's a better way to live out our faith.